Happy Father's Day. Whoa, there I am. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I hope you have an amazing day today. Today we are reading from 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and our partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, overseeing not under compulsion, but willingly, according to God, and not for dishonest gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's kind of our um, umbrella statement. Oh, I was going to put my sandals back on. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> our umbrella statement for the morning. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. As we talk about church and leadership, and all these issues, remember, the, the, the thing behind all of it, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. We're in 1 Peter chapter 5. This, we're, it's, it's the end of Peter's letter. And out of nowhere, Peter goes from addressing everyone to addressing these people he calls the elders. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you. Who are the elders that he's writing to? See, Peter is not writing to... This letter did not go to individual houses all over the Mediterranean, okay? This letter went to churches. It would be read by communities. This letter would be a scroll. Um, they'd be copied on papyrus. There's no printing press yet. And it would be shared around the area. And Peter meant this letter to go to churches that were scattered all over Asia. The church of Christ had been driven out of Jerusalem, and people are on the run, and he's writing to encourage people who's, they've lost their livelihood, they've lost their homes, they've lost their country, they're suffering, no one likes them. And he writes this letter saying, listen, it's okay, even though you have no home here, no, if you're in Christ, this is not our home anyway. We are exiles, foreigners. Our true home is that far country and will only ever truly be home when the Lord meets on the other side. So he's writing to churches, to communities. Before I go any further, i got to stop here. We are Americans, and as Americans, we are very individualistic. Most of our movies, think about our movies, our movies are, what, die hard. It's John McClane versus everybody, right? It's Clint Eastwood. The man with no name comes in on a horse, 
And that one guy fights every mobster in town. Those are our legends. That's our myths. America, we are, we are literally, we are truly the most individualistic nation on the planet. There is no culture as, that prizes individualism more than we do. In America, we hold up as a value that if your family, if your neighborhood, if your community doesn't like the way you live, throw them all away and be true to yourself. That's an American value, right? Your needs and your, your life and story is more important than everybody else's. If you have to abandon every obligation you ever made, if you have to abandon family and children and job to, to find your true path, that's celebrated as a win, not a loss in America. We're very, individual, very individualistic. Because of that, a lot of Christians will talk about, well, it's just me and Jesus. I don't need church. I don't need community because it's me and Jesus. It's my family and Jesus. I don't need no one else. Listen. That idea of me and Jesus and nobody else doesn't exist in Christ's world. There is no such thing in the scriptures as a churchless Christianity. To quote John Calvin, no person can, can call God father who does not call the church his mother. But a lot of people right now don't like the church very much. And I know there's reasons for that. One reason, culturally, we don't like authority. We don't even told what to do by anybody. When I was a kid, if my teacher called home and told my mama I was being bad, my mom's going to pretty much assume the teacher's correct and we go home and get a whooping, right? My mom pretty much would have assumed the teacher has authority. I'm probably being a butt and I deserve my butt to get spanked when I get home. That's, that, that was my life. Well, nowadays, if a teacher calls home and says your kid's being bad, the parents like to just say, because you're a bad teacher. My kid's a little angel. You are a terrible teacher. And everyone assumes all authority is bad and my, my kid and my story is good. We do not like authority at all anymore. We don't like the cops. We don't like politicians. We don't like teachers. We don't like bosses. We don't like anybody in authority. And we don't like church authority either. It's part of the American thing. I was driving yesterday on 24 going south of Lake, Lake Orion. And I uh, passed a cop, and uh, he, I thought to myself, I'm, I'm going five over, I'm fine. You know, five over is allowed, right? That's fine. The cop pulls out, I'm looking behind me, he kind of comes up around, snakes through, gets behind me, and I'm like, I'm good. And then he fires it up. I'm like, I guess I'm not good. So I pull over, and I pull off the road. He comes up, he's like, do you know how fast you're going? I'm like, I was going five over, officer. And he goes... What's the speed limit on this road? I was like, 65. He's like, it's 55. And I was like, I was only going 15 over, officer. <laughs> uh, dude, it's a two-lane highway down there. Two lanes. How is that 55? That's crazy. Well, then the church truck, apparently I've been driving dirty for the last six months because the church truck 
registration insurance expired for a year. I, I, the, dude, that's so, so that guy, he brought me back some, uh, you know, presidential flashcards when I left. I had not one ticket, but many. Um, and listen, that happened, that kind of messes up your Friday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, but here's the deal. I didn't curse the cop. I didn't say, you're, you're, man, I'm a pastor, what you doing to me? I was speeding. It's all expired. I just didn't know. I just didn't know. I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't intentionally trying to save money for the church. I literally, I somehow misplaced a letter somewhere, but that cop wasn't being a jerk. He was nice, but he, he pulled me over and gave me a penalty that suited my crime, okay? But a lot of us don't like that kind of authority. We don't like it. So in our culture, we don't like authority, but there's even more to that than the church, because at the church... Not only are Americans individualistic, not only do we not like authority, but the church is a bad rap right now. The church has picked some fights in the culture that make us look really petty. We're known for what we're against and not what we're for. We don't say sorry very easily. We fail people. And instead of like saying we messed up, we try to cover it up. And that's bad. Like that, people get hurt by the church and never go back. That happens. I know all that's true. But even with all that being said, Peter is writing to communities. And we need to be part of a fellowship, part of a community. Yesterday, Friday, we had a funeral here. Being part of other people's lives. I sat down outside on the, on the picnic table underneath the tent, and I watched people take care of one another. I watch people hugging each other, crying together, talking, picking up on one another. I watched the pe people of God do what the people of God should be doing best, is caring for one another. We know each other. We know each other's names, stories. We give a rip about each other. During all the last two weeks of just hardness, I'm used to, I, people often, during a time of great pain, are so focused on their own hurt, they just kind of sink into their own, their own pain, all about, they very inward focused. Everyone who called me asked me, how so-and-so, and how's this person, and how can I help? And I was like, this is crazy. And at the funeral, I just watched people walking, walking over to people, and just, if someone was alone too long, I, no one had to say anything. Someone would just come over to them and sit with them and just give them a hug and sit with them. And I'm like, this is why we need community. Life is hard. We go through hard things. And going through them together, it's what God meant for us to do. Jesus sent his servants out two by two. He meant for us to be, listen, Paul, Peter, all these guys, they weren't sneaking Clint Eastwood on a horse by themselves. They never went by themselves. It was always a group of people traveling together, 
doing it together, because I knew whatever we do in this life, we need someone to walk with because it's hard out there. Church is supposed to be a family. It's supposed to be this place where we care about one another. One of my, I guess, prayers for us as a church is that we love one another, that we care about each other. I know some churches want to be businesses before they're a family. I know some churches have the wrong goal as their goal. But when the church is what she's supposed to be, she's beautiful. Not perfect, but beautiful. Peter writes to the church, and he, as he writes to the church, he talks to everyone for, for the most of the book, but then in chapter 5, he switches from the everybody, and all of a sudden he's going to talk to the elders. Who are the elders? I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder. There are three words used in the Bible, in, in the, by, the, by Paul and by Peter and all the guys. There's three words used to describe church leadership. Elder, overseer, pastor, shepherd. And these three words are used interchangeably. And they are talking about the people who are called to lead God's church. So my first point is very simple. The church is led by elders. You have all three words in this chapter. Therefore, I exhort the elders. The elders are the people who have, their lives are godly, they've been tested, and they're, they're tasked with being leaders in the church. And what is their job? They are, verse 2, shepherd the fuck of God among you. Shepherd is the word pastor. Pastor the fuck of God among you. Elders, their job is to pastor the flock of God. Their job is to care for the people. They're also called to oversee people. See, it says overseeing. Shepherd the flock of God among you, overseeing. These three words, elder, shepherd, overseer, that is the job of the elders. Now listen, in our church we have three elders. That's very important Peter says, I exhort the elders among you. The word elder is always plural because churches are meant to be led by a plurality of leadership. In America, we often have one king leader who like, drives the bus and everyone gets behind them. It's not meant to be that way. It's meant to be a group of people leading a church organization. Here at Fun City, we have three pastors. Pastor Ernesto, Pastor John, and Pastor James. Now, you'll probably see me the most because I'm the only full-time staff. And I'm, I'm blessed by that. I'm thankful for that, okay? Pastor John, every Saturday night, he works third shift, and he drives here after third shift to serve all day. We've been doing that for years now. So Pastor John is bivocational. He works another job to pay for a lot of his um, bills and his family, and the church pays him way too little for the work he does to, to serve our people. Pastor James, we don't pay him a dollar. <laughs> Yay! Um, and that note, and he's, he was, he, he, so he, we call him a lay elder, but Pastor James has a full-time job, but he still, Friday, his day off, 
We're getting things ready last minute for the church, for the, for the funeral. And Pastor James showed up here. We, got, we were just working hard, sweating, getting everything ready for the funeral. Pastor James will always say to me, whenever we talk about things, he'll always say, anything you need, I'll be there. So even though he has a full-time job somewhere else, he'll drop everything he needs to drop to come and help us here. So we have three elders at our church. And we have three elders for... I don't just drive the bus for this church, okay? If someone comes in and says, I need help with some kind of financial need, I don't just go, okay, here's some money. I call the other elders. I say, what do you think? And we pray about it together. Because, I, because it's meant to be this plurality of leadership. It's not just the Ernesto show. It's other, and what's awesome about that is, during COVID, when my voice went crazy, and I couldn't preach for a while, we had people, leaders in our church, who could carry the burden of caring for people, of proclaiming the messages. It was awesome. We have a plurality of leadership here at Flint City Church. So churches are led by pastors. Next. This text is mostly yelling at me, James, and John. So this, I'm not going to do that. You don't need to hear God yell at us. Just know that he is. And he needs to. Being, okay, so let's say in your church experience you've met a pastor who is an ungodly person. Just know God's going to deal with them. God puts a high standard on leadership in his, in his church. He says, if, he says, do not desire to be the elder. You will be judged more harshly. If someone abuses their leadership, just know God's going to smoke them eventually. Have great joy in your, not joy, have great <laughs> peace in your heart knowing that God's going to deal with injustice. He's going to deal with it. If some pastor burns the world down, hurts a bunch of people, takes all the money, Listen, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. But he describes here what a, a good pastor should be, a good pastor. If you, are, if you move from here, if you're not from this area, looking for a church to belong to, what kind of pastor should you look for? A lot of us looking for a church we look for a pastor with the best, I guess, gifted speaking, the funniest jokes, the coolest shoes, eh, oh. <laughs> um, whatever. We, we, we have these things, right? We look for these different things. We want, you know what we want in a pastor? Humility. Shepherds should lead with humility. That's how the whole passage ends. It says, and all of you, elders and church folk, church members, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Pastors should be humble, leading with humility. He says, listen, you pastors, shepherd about the God among you, so take care of the people's needs. Watch out for each other. Overseeing, not under compulsion, but willingly, according to God, not for dishonest gain, but with eagerness. He says, listen, a pastor should not do this job for money. And I hope you see this. Pastor James, the lay elder, 
It doesn't get paid a dollar. I just asked all those guys. We're doing a like off-site, full-day business meeting. How awesome does that sound? Unpaid? Like, leave your family, leave your, awesome, your favorite chair, leave your hot tub. Let's go to some place and sit and talk about church business for a whole day. Huh? Huh? And they're like, yeah, I'll do what God needs me to do. They don't do it for money. We don't do it for money. In India, I've been to the, the really beautiful Hindu temples. And you go up to the, the, the holy place of the temple where the priests are. And there'll always be this menu on the wall behind. And the menu says, if you want prayer for a spouse, it'll cost this many rupees. If you need a blessing for your marriage, this many rupees. A prayer for a child, this many rupees. Everything you ask for from the gods costs money. Here at Flint City, we don't charge for the gospel. Ever, ever, ever. If we go, if a church calls us and says, you could cover our pulpit for us, we do it and ask for not a dime. If we do a funeral for a family, we're not like, we do weddings, we never say, well, give me this much money to your wedding. We minister to people and we don't do it to gain things. We do it to serve people. Shepherds should be humble. This is, this is the biggest part he says. He goes this. He says, not yet as lording it over those allotted to you, but being examples to the flock. He says, okay, you elders, you have been given authority by God, but don't lord it over the people. You got to be humble. Shepherds, we are, pastors should not be CEOs. Pastors are not professionals. Pastors are not celebrities. Pastors are not to be kings among the people. And I grew up in a world, I grew up in an independent, fundamentalist, Baptist world where the pastors were kings and they barked and people obeyed. That is not of the Lord. It's not. Shepherds are servants, not kings. Humility should mark a pastor. If you go to a church, the first thing you should ask is not, is the pastor talented or funny or gifted? The first question should be, do I see the humility of Christ upon the leaders of this church? Are they humble? Do they say sorry when they're wrong? They lead with compassion and grace. Talent, giftedness, those things are not what make a great leader. Shepherds should look like Jesus, and Jesus was humble. He's humble. Even if We, as a church, desire to lead with humility. We do. If we fail you, we will apologize. As many of you here have received an awkward phone call from me at some point in your journey from the church, if I feel as though I 
hurt someone's feelings, I'll call them and say, hey, the day I said this dumb thing, I just want to say sorry. And they'll be like, oh, I didn't remember you said that. I'm like, okay, well, I'm still saying sorry. Bye. And I'll just... <laughs> I don't like to do that. I don't, I don't look for reasons to apologize, but... Christ has called us to be peacemakers, to, be, to live in grace with other people, and so we try to live this way together. In the world, out there in the world, if someone has power and they do that power, they use it to get benefits from others. If I'm the CEO, someone better wash my car and iron my suits and bring me a coffee. That's the world, right? The richer you are, the more people bring you stuff. Jesus turns all that over. Jesus says, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as ransom for many. So listen, wherever you go in the church, in church world, look for pastors who lead with humility. That's how leaders should lead, like Jesus led. We should be examples. We don't lead with command. We lead by how we live our lives. It says that, it says, do not, do not, not yet as lording it over those allotted to you, but be examples to the flock, which is why it's important that if you go to a church, you should be able to see your pastor's life, to know if they're the real deal or not. I remember one day, we were in the Rock Church of Fenton, we, we served out there for a few years in, in Fenton, Michigan. And one day, uh, we were packing for some kind of vacation, and we had this old Cadillac, this old white Cadillac with a red interior. I love that car. I got pulled over a lot in that car, but I love that car. <laughs> it looked like a drug dealer's car. And I did have, I had pink fuzzy dice hanging off the thing. So it was a lot, of, a lot of things, a lot of things. I got pulled over a lot in that car. But um, I was loading the car one day, and I packed the... Those old caddies had big old trunks. So I, put, I, just, I had just stuff packed in there. And I, Lena was a baby, so we had all this baby stuff in there. And the trunk would just not latch. Just wouldn't, just wouldn't go, you know? And at first, it's a puzzle to be solved. You know, ah, da, da, dude. Over time, though, it becomes an offense to be dealt with. Like, for, after a while, the car, there's this feeling that the car is trying to be mean to me. And so... Me and the car in a fight. And so I'm in the parking lot, and I am, I am cursing this car to hell. Um, like, I, I am just kicking it, yelling at it, slamming it, pop back up. I'm, I'm losing my mind. And here's the thing. I live in an apartment complex with all these people, and they all know who I am and what I do for a living. And everyone's watching this pastor lose his mind over a trunk that will not close. <laughs> I said to say is that we live our lives in the open. My wife and I, we, don't, we try to be the same people here as we are outside. We make mistakes. We fail. But again, quick to apologize. People are free to come into our home and see us because we want people to know that this faith we proclaim is the real deal. If you come to our home, we hope you feel cared for and loved and desired because this is not just a show on Sunday, okay? Pastor should be an example. But here's where it gets harder, okay? Tells the pastors, be humble. And we work at it. But it says, verse 5, 
You who are younger, likewise, be subject to your elders. Now, I say this to us. Church members must follow humbly. Shepherds must lead with humility. Church members must follow with humility. During the COVID pandemic, I knew a lot of pastors who quit their jobs because a lot of the church folk were brutal to them. If a pastor said we should wear a mask, they were called like cowards. You believe the liberal lie, oh, blah, blah, blah. Stand up for something, I don't know what, something. And those who didn't say, say no mass, people said to them, like, oh, you want us all to die. You don't care about the, the people who are, um, what's the word they say, vulnerable because of comorbidities, whatever it was. COVID was a long time ago. Like, so whatever pastors did, some people would write letters and say, you're terrible, you're awful, you're doing your job wrong. I knew pastors just were so stressed, could do nothing right. People were so mean and said horrible things to them. I thank the Lord. I think, I could be wrong, but I think if leadership is humble, I think the church responds to that with humility as well. Because here from the city, it was really hard and no one was a jerk about it. We were like we were in three different buildings over COVID, right? We we're at Carriage Town. We were online. We were outside. We were in a basement for like two years. Remember this? It wasn't awesome. In the basement, we had to do masks forever. We wore masks more than any church in the in the city. Well, no, that's not every. There's some guys that are still doing it, but. We, did, we were for a long time, we were full-on masks in the basement, chairs spread apart. Like, remember this? And the, the chairs were all spread apart real far. And no one from our church sent me dirty, brutal emails. Because we're all in it together. I'm grateful that here at Flint City, there's a lot of humility. There's a lot of desire to serve, desire to help. We went to two services, and no one loved that, right? Being in one place was awesome. Being together in one service, everyone at one time was awesome. But here's the deal. It got too full, so we had to break it into two pieces. Is 9.30 too early? Yeah, yeah, I know it is, okay? I know. Some of you guys have babies, like, man, the kid's still barely waking up. Is 11.30 too late? Yes, I know it is. No, we're all losing together. No one winning means we all win. No, uh, but, uh, but you know what's crazy is no, no one blew my head off over it. No one wrote nasty emails. No one was a jerk because we all know we're trying our best and we walk together with humility. This is the myth I'm trying to say as a church. Being together is hard. We are going to hurt one of those feelings. We are going to fail each other. But how we fail matters. We should fail one another with humility. When I mess up and hurt you, I'd be humble to say I'm sorry. When you make a mistake, you'd be humble to say you're sorry. I had a lady email me once. So, so a lady emailed me about something in her family. I missed the email. Uh, four days go by. She emails me again, and she tears into me. 
I guess you don't care about people. I guess you're too busy. I don't mean nothing to you. Just is killing me. When you get an email like that, you want to respond like, it's been four days, lady. Like, what do you want from me? But instead of being defensive, instead of pulling my guns to fire back, I prayed about it. I'm like, she's probably really hurting. She's just upset, swinging at anybody that's there. I just write back and say, I'm so sorry I missed your email. What's going on? And immediately an email comes back. I'm so sorry, Pastor. I've been so stressed. I don't know what to do. I shouldn't have talked that way to you. If I had reacted with, with if I had come back at her with that same energy, you know what would have happened? War. A little bit of humility. You know what it did? De-escalated the entire situation. That willingness to just take a little bit of heat for the sake of peace. I know in our world, we believe if anyone gives me guff, I'm giving it back. You go, sister. That's, that's, that's the world we live in. That's not the world of Christ. Christ took heat for the sake of peace. Big time. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's Jesus' style. We as a church, listen, what we have here. I said it at the funeral, I'll say it again today. Our boy Nate brought all his rowdy friends to church with him. A rowdy crew. Tatted up. Sometimes smelled like funny smoke. Things like this. <laughs> I'm just saying. For real, uh, me and Lena were driving that ice cream truck, and the ice cream guy is from Waterford. He goes, man, are there skunks around here? I'm like, nah, man. <laughs> nah. <laughs> that ain't no skunk, brother. Welcome to Flint. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was, made me laugh. It was pretty funny. Um, so, but our boy Nate brought guys with him from his work, from work. Rowdy dudes. And they came here and felt welcome. That is special. And we have to guard that. To guard it, we must be humble. We can this is, this does not belong to me or to you. Whatever God's going to do here, we have to, we have to know this is for him. I'm willing to take some hits so that the, the people from outside can come into this place with all their baggage and all their hurts and be loved as they are. We must, he says, he says all this stuff to pastors, he yells at pastors, he tells the church to submit to the authority, and then he says, but everybody, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Why? Because God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. Listen, even if you're right about an issue, but you handle it with pride, you're wrong. How you handle something is as important as the stand you take. You can be right about something morally, but if you're a jerk about it, God ain't with you. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Let us as a church, as a people, be a humble people. I pray that marks us as a people. Humble. Willing to apologize, willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel. And if we as leaders, 
And we as church members all commit to humility. Who knows what God will, God will do in allowing us to reach our city? Who knows? With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, It is hard to be humble. It is hard to be compassionate. It's hard to be kind. It's hard to admit wrongdoing. It's hard to be wronged and to receive that wrong for your sake. It is harder from the other cheek. But Lord, we pray and desire that our community. be a place of peace and unity. And the only way to keep that unity, to keep that peace is for all of us to practice humility. One to another, day by day and week by week. Keep our hearts soft, O Lord. That we may walk in humility with one another and before you. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.